finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station. It didn't matter how high it was. And so Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome to a very special edition, a Wednesday edition. A little bonus episode. Yeah, you know, I mean, why not? Why not? We had so much fun yesterday. We had a great time. It didn't even feel like we were recording a podcast. No, you know? it's kind of what we would do normally. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's kind of like the whole thing we do here anyway, right? Turn but on it, the mic and see what happens. But that definitely was the case with the Washington Post segment. Incidentally, Felicia uh, is still working on it. Still going, which is, I mean, I, I guess we should wait for that. We should, we should tease that. You got to stick around to listen to that because this saga is not ending anytime soon. <laughs> no. No, she's she is sticking very much sticking around. Uh, before we get into what you just heard on up top, which was the senior senator from Michigan, Debbie Stabenow, mm. uh, a lot of different nicknames that she's earned over the years. Um, I should say that we have a very special guest today. We have Governor Brian Kemp uh, of Georgia, who you've heard on the program before. You haven't heard him since he rung up seventy-two percent of the vote in Georgia a few weeks back absolutely mauling former senator david purdue in what was uh well it got ugly yeah it got real ugly um but this guy he's pretty focused i can't wait for you to hear the interview he's all about winning this general election for all of the obvious reasons right there was zero victory lap taken he is focused on stacey abrams like a like a hawk and for good reason right i mean i think this guy's a genuine conservative actually understands the the horrible problem we'd have as a country not alone his state of georgia if stacey abrams got anywhere near the levers of power anywhere right uh, and, and i just uh, you know she has been uh such a, a like a bad player in this theater of fake outrage um over you know the last couple of years that like she can't be allowed to win because she's a horrible person and she's a liar and she's, I mean, she's the reason why the MLB got moved out of Georgia. No, 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 no. That was fact-checked. <laughs> that was a, the liberal media fact-checked that. And Actually, I don't know if they fact-checked. They rewrote it. They rewrote yeah. it. Stealth right? edited it, well, rewrote they, it. They rewrote yeah. it, and then they fact-checked the rewrite. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah, is incredible. Right. I mean, just think about that. So so she was getting a lot of flack, rightfully so, by forcing. But she came out for a boycott, telling the MLB, leave Atlanta, right? Yeah. So they do. You know, she gets her wish. It's kind of like the dog that catches the car. She's like, oh, shit. And now all these Atlanta business owners are like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Right. You know, I have a restaurant that was going to get like a ton of money or whatever, especially post, you know, COVID. Which predominantly black owned businesses, which is the irony in all of this. It's right? beautiful. It's, 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 it's incredible like- the way that she just like shoots herself in the foot here. Right. And uh, so then she's like, oh, no, I have to find a way to deny that I was pushing for this. And, and, and the newspaper that she wrote her opinion thing on, like, here's why. USA Today. USA Today. They they're like, hey, we got your back. They go and they, like, stealth edit it. Any part calling for the MLB to have the All-Star game. And made leave. no notation of the edit None. whatsoever. They None whatsoever. After the fact. 
total stealth edit, which is just unbelievable. Like, the, the, there's no journalistic integrity. I noticed what a rag... You know, it's funny, like, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when every publication started just hewing way left, mm-hmm. USA Today had a, a moment there in the mid-aughts where it was kind of the exception of the rule. Like, they actually... They, you know, it was the paper you threw at the hotel yeah. door. Or I mean, everybody's going to read it. You got to keep it. It had super them. heavy sports. Yeah. It had, it had like, you know, the, the front page stuff was like basically the news. The stories were shorter. Yeah. And then now I don't know. I walked by, I was in a Seven Eleven a couple of days ago and I walked by and looked at the newsstand and USA did, I, I forget what the headline was, but it was so fucking outrageous yeah. that I was like, how in the world did that happen? Like that is, it is unbelievable rag now. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a very concentrated effort by the left to just get their hands on every publication that they could. I, I mean, the way that it starts at journalist schools that we were discussing that uh, on the previous episode. You've got like uh, Northwestern, you've got UNC, you've got Columbia, all these places that have like journalism the pipeline, schools. the pipeline. It starts right there where they make them as left wing as possible and they push activism, activism, activism. Is that still activism. a Gannett paper? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would love to see a full documentary that's very honest about how journalism transformed this hard, this fast. Because it was yeah. always left of center. I mean, yeah. it's always left of center institution. But I mean, over the last five, ten years, it's just, it's it's unreadable. It's it's the social circles have condensed, right? I mean, the, the whole problem that we've had since the beginning of time with politicians that go to D.C. and you say they've gone beltway because they've just become socially indoctrinated into a left of center thinking instead of, where they're at in their home state Mm -hmm. like that is times 10 in the journalist circuit but as media has gotten bifurcated and you get away from people in states having national outlets dc outlets you eliminate that perspective entirely and so now it's basically just people gathered in dc new york san francisco and la that are speaking to each other exclusively yeah and they would all they would all really that's exactly right love for for stacy abrams to win you know so they can validate all the bullshit they did over the last few years trying to say you know Kemp was destroying democracy because he passed an election reform bill. Yeah, well, you know, so so there's a lot to say about that, right? And and I mean, you know, we said it on the episode, but the guy's got balls. You know, he came on this show right after the 2020 election. Yeah, and answered some tough questions. Answered some tough questions, and then he rings up was 70. I didn't even think it's 73. 73. So I don't even I didn't think that was a possibility. Yeah, I mean, he was running against a former senator. Yeah, you know, and it's just it was incredible. Anyway, you'll like that interview. Uh, we have a birthday wish. Smug, do you want to take the birthday uh, wish here? Absolutely. So this is a birthday shout-out. It says, happy birthday to Laura Killian from North Carolina. Excellent state. Highly recommend. Who turns 30 today, June 8th. Her family reached out uh, because she's such a big fan of the program. Well, thank you so much for listening, Laura, and for spreading the word on Ruthless to friends and family. That's happy excellent. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Laura. Happy birthday. Uh, we'll look you up next time we're in North Carolina. Uh, let's get back to what led the show, which was Debbie Stabenow. This lady is just an absolutely abysmal senator and has been <laughs> forever. I mean, I, like, I can't figure out for the life of me how any, like, reasonable human being pulls a lever for this lady. Yeah. I want to reread that quote that we played. <clears throat> On the issue of gas prices, I drove my electric vehicle from Michigan to here last weekend and went by every gas station and it didn't matter how high it was, which is, I mean, completely insane. But that's uh, so cool. Like, <laughs> I drove by. I drove by every gas station, and it didn't matter to me how high right. it was. Because you're a politician, car, right? You represent other fucking people. 
And, and so Greg Price on Twitter, who, who posted that video, then had a great follow-up. Average cost of an electric car, $56,000. Median household income in Michigan, 59234 So she's like, I have no problem. Like, what your entire household's <laughs> median income is, I can spend on a car, and I have a great time. I don't get yeah. people are suffering with well, high gas. You know what? It's it's really big of the people of Michigan to pull all their tax dollars together and send them to Debbie Stabenow she, so she can use the money and buy there you a go. very expensive car. Well, it isn't the first time that she's turned a blind eye to what's happening at home. Oh. Are you referring to... Uh, <laughs> do you remember this? I think I do. Uh, I think it was like 08 or 09. I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but it just popped into my head, so why not? Uh, I, her husband was arrested for prostitution. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait. Wait. What? Only the car involved was not electric. <laughs> The wait, atmosphere he, was wait, 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 he was picked He's up getting for caught. He was in a car for soliciting, or was he the prostitute? <laughs> no, he was not the. Pro- he was not the. He was. He was soliciting. Yeah, yeah, he he was he was soliciting. Wow, he was caught with a hooker. Uh, so I'm just saying, like you know, Jesus, she's not exactly minding the home front in any, <laughs> in any shape or form. Uh, I really don't like her. You can tell. I really don't like. She's yeah. she's probably the most partisan member she's kind of got that a little bit of an amy klobuchar vibe where yeah. it's like no i'm one of you it's like you know i'm totally normal except i'm a career politician who votes with my party 99.9 percent of the time it just drives me she's absolutely. not cycle is she no, no. that's unfortunate no. i mean this red wave yeah you know we'll be getting rid of a lot of these really terrible like lifelong politician dems I mean, this wave, you know, as long as as long as everyone, you know, stays focused, knocks those doors, volunteers, gets the job done. There's going to be a lot of, of these Dems that have just taken their jobs as as legislators for granted. Totally. Completely. So you could tell the topic of conversation yesterday was on the issue of gas prices as well. It should. It's doubled nationwide. Ten bucks in California. I mean, it's just like becoming ridiculous. And you heard from Mike Summers yesterday about how insane their entire agenda is but but what happens when you have hearings even in democratic controlled congress they just let the let it slip a little bit yeah right and so you heard debbie talking about the electric car like she doesn't care about gas prices any longer because she has an electric car but then did you see janet yellen no oh let's hear the audio the critical thing is that we become more dependent on the wind and the sun the critical thing is that well, we I mean, become more independent. Yeah. That's the thing is like all the, all these problems. It's not like ha- oh, these are just things that are happening. Right. All of this is not only directly because of the policies of this administration, but it's because the administration wanted them they to happen. They did, did it on purpose. It's like you know what? Hey, Josh, I'm going to break both your legs, but your arms are going to get real strong crawling. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like- <laughs> so focus, focus on push-ups. Focus on push-ups and curls. <laughs> You need to do pull-ups, get your arms ready, because the legs are going to be gone. Because the thing is, like, they couldn't get Green New Deal itself, like, passed on the ballot, because that, I mean, it is just so insane. It's insane. So they're trying to do it piece by piece with no one noticing and and put, enacting policies that will drive up the price of gas, being right. like, hey, you know, working class people, you know, get a clue. Just buy yourself a $60,000 car. Like, what's wrong with you people? That's how out of touch they are. That's how out of touch they are. It's incredible. What's so funny to me is, you know, you get someone like Janet Yellen, who, you know, 
in a democratic administration is amongst the more reasonable people, right? She's the one that told us last week that she screwed up on inflation. You're not going to hear that from anybody else, but she's going to basically say that she, you know, she screwed up. She knows, you know, basic math. Let's just put it that way. To have her say something like that, it that's what it is, right? I mean, yes, the critical thing is that we become more dependent on the wind and the sun. Let me just ask, does the wind or the sun make cell phones? I don't think, like petroleum does. <laughs> and, and there's something to be said for this because, you know, Janet Yellen, honestly, she used to be so respectable when she was at the Fed, I guess because, like, legally everything that they say has to be backed up by data that they collect. And anything that you say, you have to be very careful because on your every word, financial markets are right, hanging. Right. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of money at stake. But it shows this, like, uh, this administration tried to portray itself as just being a return to normalcy and and Joe's going to reach out to to the to the other side of the aisle and it's going to be a friend to all but it shows just how partisan and left wing this group is that yeah. they're, they're sending out Janet Yellen and and, and they're like you're going to have to toe the line right lady. like this we are a They've very corrupted her into this crew. Right. say the thing say the thing, say the thing. <laughs> again I I said it a couple a couple of episodes ago I said Bernie Sanders is budget chairman like yeah. Do not forget that. These are not moderates. No, no. And they're implement, implementing the agenda fast, and we're watching it happen in real time with gas prices and everything else. Um, let's switch to the media because I just can't, I can't get yes. enough. I can't get enough. Uh, we, we, we covered in great detail uh, the Washington Post struggles. Well, there's a couple more today. Uh, BuzzFeed stock, BuzzFeed. I almost forgot BuzzFeed existed, fellas. I think a lot of people did. BuzzFeed stock plunged Monday, putting the company's market cap below the $315 million that AOL paid for Huffington Post in 2011. Oof. Uh, Buzz, I mean... Look. I just... Uh, hold on real quick. BuzzFeed, AOL, Huff Post. <laughs> I read all three of those, and I'm like, how are any of these things worth a fucking dollar? I know! <laughs> and I thought the same thing! AOL? <laughs> I got, I've got, I've got some insight for folks. I hope I don't get in trouble here. But um, Huffington Post was just like a national newsletter when you know years ago when it started. Ariana Huffington, uh, you know, she's left leaner, but big, great entrepreneur. They had no presence in Washington, and then all of a sudden they did have a presence in Washington. And there's one reason for that. And it's Ryan Grimm's email distribution list. Yeah, no he kidding. Built the entire Washington office of the Huffington Post based on emails that he would send out and people wanted to get on the list and they kept adding the list and the list and the list and then all of a sudden he's not working at the Huffington Post anymore and now nobody else is reading it yeah wow it's pretty amazing how fast these lefty publications fail too yeah. you know I mean I got to imagine that part of it is the infrastructure of the liberal world is paid for by billionaires yeah, who it's a patronage have, model yeah, yeah who have too much time on their hands and they have failed sons running around you know trying to figure out something to do so they put them in charge of one of these things and just fund it mm -hmm. right until one day they wake up and they decide not to fund it right right and they just kind of go away buzzfeed was a little bit different in that like ben smith who was at politico left to start buzzfeed and they they ended up you know doing a lot of really smart things at the mm -hmm. beginning yeah and and Ben, you know, for whatever you think of Ben Smith, he's pretty good at this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like he figured out how this works. He's a real pioneer on this stuff. Yeah, and it, it, it he's decent. And it, decent <laughs> guy. Yeah, honestly, he's not a decent guy. I'll be I'll be honest here. So he 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 figured out. Uh, so Jonah Peretti, who was at BuzzFeed, 
anyone, anyone who had anything above being like a VP at any outlet could see this guy's a sucker and he's got a lot of cash. So of course Ben jumped ship and got that. The whole fun to me the funniest part of, of this BuzzFeed stock story is this plunge was the first day that insiders, shareholders, executives could sell their stock and what they do, they fucking sold they it. They all sold. So that shows what faith they have in there. And folks like Ben Smith, who'd been forced to hold on his stock, didn't make any mention of that when he would write stories at the New York Times regarding or defending BuzzFeed because Oh right. Like for things like the publication of the dossier. There you go. There right. you go. Yeah. But he doesn't he doesn't tell anyone in the story that, oh, I'm a major shareholder of BuzzFeed. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, I, I have not opened BuzzFeed to look for news inside that website since maybe 2015. I was going to say 15 at the absolute latest. It could have been yeah. 2014. I think when Stanton was out the door, um, that Rosie Gray, sometimes she mm-hmm. would write stuff that was uh, well-researched, uh, like... It, they're, they're just they've been scraping the bottom of the bed. Yeah, well, listen, good riddance. Uh, but it turns out CNN. So Axios, what fascinates me about CNN is that Axios is totally well-sourced here. Like mm-hmm. every single oh, this is, yeah, this is insider thing at CNN, Axios has got the scoop on. And the news yesterday was that CNN's new ba- boss, Chris Licht, is evaluating whether personalities and programming that grew polarizing during the Trump era can adapt to the network's new priority to be less partisan. <laughs> so basically what this amounts to is it's an article that that is feeding out the wishes of the brass, new brass over at CNN, that they become less partisan. We've, we've reported on this before, but now they're actually saying like basically this is all an, addition, an audition of sorts. And like... Is anybody sweating this more than the yeah. potato? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, how does Stelter survive this? I mean... The fuck, so like as they're doing this, I'm like I'm reading this and then I'm looking at Stelter's Twitter feed where he's like shaming Fox because they're not taking the January 6th hearings in prime time. Yeah. Right. As if that constitutes anything but pure propaganda. Yeah. Right. So like if their goal is to try to that, he's got to be first one first out the one door, out the doesn't door. he? Has to be. What also you know explains some of what we were talking about yesterday with that CNN with Jim Shudo oh, yeah, like going jerk. in on the Biden administration with the tape. Like he got the memo. He got the memo. He's auditioning. Yeah. You know what? I think he's going to be around in a year. <laughs> I don't know about the potato. <laughs> the potato's got a problem. But here's the here's the thing: is that this memo evidently did not make its way to the digital team. Oh no. The uh, the ruthless the, the the very good McDaniel. Uh, and his research capabilities, and just went to the just went to their webpage. Basically, yeah. Here are the headlines: Trump mobilizing MAGA allies to defend him ahead of January six hearings. <laughs> oh, the, that's a whole nother thing. How the defensive Trump foretells a possible new GOP era of extremism. I mean, like this is the headlines of CNN. This emails. Is what you see. E- I'm not even done. Emails reveal Trump campaign told fake electors in Georgia. To use complete secrecy. How, how do, who clicks on this? January 6th committee to hear from witnesses who dealt proud boys on day of Capitol riot. New York Attorney General isn't satisfied with Trump's bid to stay out of contempt after deposing longtime assistant. <laughs> proud boys. Lead, this is all on the same website at the same time. At yeah, the this same is all, time. all Trump stories. Yeah. Proud Boys leader and top members charged with seditious conspiracy over January. Like, holy shit. 
guys, look around the world, man. And, and I think that's, to me, that's just very telling is th there was this line that the, uh, I think she's for PBS or NPR, uh, Yamish Elsendor. Yeah. Mm. She said that uh, they need to make sure that Americans care about the January 6th hearings more than they care about the price of gas or baby formula, which tells you what the press sees Right. Their mission as yeah. to defend the Democrats and to push their talking points. And it, I mean, to so clearly say it like that, that we need to make Americans care about this kind of like, hey, hey, look away from all the problems that you're trying to survive and deal with right now. Look away from your own problems. Worry about this little spectacle that's being put together by Nancy Pelosi. Entirely and, and, they, and they hired some like TV producer, right? To uh, So, yeah. So I want to save some of this because tomorrow... We are going to do a preview of all of this. Like, we're going to spend some time on the Jan 6 commission and all of this shit. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to give away the store here. But I think you're getting, like, just a little glimpse of what we're talking about here. Hiring producers, doing it in prime time, <clears throat> having CNN. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, when CNN is taking this tack, and it's clearly not working, where their ratings are, are I mean, every month you hear it's hit an all-time low. Where uh, I, I saw uh, numbers came out the other week where Tucker's rerun at 1 a.m. was putting up better numbers than CNN's primetime. Oh, my so God. So it's gotten that dire for them. And they're just, like, not willing to listen. Like, the audience is kind of like, we don't care about this shit. Please do some news. And, and, and they're like, no. But now, apparently... I mean, if you I know, care, if I cared to a lick, if I cared a lick about whether CNN lives or dies, which I do not... But if I cared a lick about it, I'd walk over to their business department with a poll and be like, guys, let me teach you how to read public opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want, let's let's spend a little bit of time on how much people care about the shit that you're talking about on a day to day basis. We can go to any aspect, men, women, liberal, conservative. It isn't this. It's not this. It's never been this. And so like the squeezing the juice out of the resistance left ended a long time ago. Long time yeah. ago. You know, and it's just people have real problems now and they don't even talk about it. No, they don't. And even when they do, nobody believes it. I'm sure every single person uh, in here and listening knows the feeling that you just don't you, you're not sure where to turn just to get regular information about what's going on yep. in the world. I mean, I, I, I hear it from friends and family so often. Who sh which which network should I watch? What newspaper should I read? Did you genuinely asking who am I supposed who am I supposed to believe? Because nobody knows who to believe. Well, it's the Ruthless Variety program, obviously. There you have it. <laughs> I mean. There you have it. Um, all right. So we've all talked about the baby formula issue, which is just tragic and terrible. And I mean, these people are completely insane for ignoring it as long as they have. But it's not the only thing. And now you're starting to get a bunch of stories that are coming out. This one's from Fox Business about a whole bunch of other products that we might end up having shortages with. Uh, a supply chain is according to Fox Business. Supply chain crisis took wholesale industry by surprise amid product shortages. This has to do with beverages. Like, we're just talking about regular old beverages. That's that's amazing thing is you had, uh, what's her name, the old press secretary uh, in the White House. Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki. Come out just randomly one day and be yeah. like, also, there will not be food shortages. <laughs> and everyone's like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> Where the hell is that coming and from? And then it just launched. I don't know if you guys follow this on Twitter, but every time some food uh, manufacturing facility goes up in flames, it just it 
it's like spreads well, spreads like fire around, there around Twitter. And I mean, it, it was just like the wildest thing. Of she's like, oh, real quick before I go, folks, there will not be food. <laughs> there will be no breadline. Yeah. <laughs> also, there is not a comic headed toward her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. But these guys are saying so. This this is a dude who's quoted saying, "This summer, I think beverages. You're going to start seeing increased prices or shortages because." Already, these factories are pumping out at full capacity. You add increased demand of summer, and we don't know where that's going to go. That's uh, Che Huang, uh, boxed CEO. He told Varney and Company that Monday. I mean, we're talking about just average everyday stuff. Like, have you ever? I mean, all of you have tried to order something. Yeah. Right. It's amazing how you can't just get stuff anymore. Right. You know what I mean? If it's not in the inventory in an Amazon shipping set. Uh, facility somewhere it's not coming and, right. and, and that's across the board it's like this isn't just an amazon problem or walmart problem like i've had walmart uh, out of nowhere i had a, a box of mouthwash that i'd ordered two months ago and forgot about that showed up from walmart and they're like oh you'd order this you know like last year <laughs> here it is and it really takes that long to get mouthwash in this country we had a like a couple of weeks ago uh i got an email it's like oh your dishwasher's being delivered and i was like what the and I had to ask my wife, I'm like, did we order a dishwasher? She's like, yeah, like a year ago. Wow. I mean, yeah. I forgot we ordered it. <laughs> I forgot we ordered it. We've needed it for kind of a long time, but like life goes on, you know? Yeah. And it's you kept just, seeing like when w- with commodities, like the price of wood for, for, for construction prices were, were through the roof, w- whether it was steel, anything, all, all those materials were, were going up in cost. And then, you know, this this continues right here on, on shortages where it says, from gloves to die for CT scans, supply shortages continue to stress hospitals. Not even hospitals in this country hospitals? can get properly supplied. I mean, CT scans. How? They, what? I don't even get that. It says for radiologists, uh, for a radiologist who has been reading CT scans and always had uh, IV contrast, to ask them to read it. Oh, that's the problem. They don't have the contrast. Yeah. They don't have the con- I mean, look at this, guys. I mean, it's just it's everything. <laughs> I mean, it's insane how quickly. Under Biden, everything just fell apart. This guy just turned us into Guam overnight. And and, and that's the thing is like, uh, it, 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 I, I, I was pontificating the other day that Biden very quickly is trying to make America the most deprived country in the Western Hemisphere, where he's like okaying Venezuela to output even more oil. It, it makes no sense of like, why is he trying to make America more reliant on others and destroy every industry within the country where for so long you saw that they punished small business owners where they uh, punished uh, American energy producers making up these stories of how they're like oh we're going to make a bunch of leases available a few uh, producers actually tried getting those leases and were instantly turned down and the White House just you know completely changes the tune they're like actually we're not going to do that (sighs) we're just going to buy it from Venezuela I mean Summers was great on that but look Time Magazine, of all places, it's basically become an empty receptacle for liberal dreams, uh, <laughs> along with Newsweek, which is kind of a sad thing if you think about it. Yeah, and they also do those um, SEO keyword stuffing articles where they're like... Yeah, just throw in a bunch of names that search high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's really funny when they do it. They do it a lot for Dem Senate candidates. You'll pay attention over the next six months. You'll see a lot of Time articles, which they, they read like they were written by a robot. <laughs> well, Amazing. They probably, probably yeah. are. <laughs> Uh, but they have, they have put their finger on a topic that I'm, I'm frankly underqualified to talk about here today, but I'm, I'm happy to anyway. Uh, there's a tampon shortage in mm. 2022. 
Yikes. Let's think about that for a minute. I mean, are you kidding me? This is like basic, basic stuff. Somehow, tampons are not readily available in many states across this country. Apparently, because of the supply chain, it's going to get worse. And the importance of this is, is okay, a lot of the victories that Democrats have had over the past couple cycles, they attribute completely to being able to get out women voters with their message. And now you're going to have women voters who aren't able to get their basic needs, who aren't able to get baby formula for their kid. These are going to be pissed off individuals, and they don't care AOC's telling them to say Latinx. Like, that doesn't matter to them. No. These are the issues that matter to people. Well, it sounds like a war on women to me. Uh, Procter & Gamble said in its most recent earnings call that it was having trouble sourcing raw materials for feminine care products. Ay, ay, ay. Let me tell you what. Mayor Pete's doing a whale of a job over at the transportation (laughs) department. This guy can't get a single thing from point A to point B. And he's in charge of our entire transportation system. Whoa, boy, that was such a great move to appoint him. (laughs) Who would have thought, you know, the guy's a mayor of a small town becomes, you know. And he just he just tested positive for COVID, so now he's back on like oh another paternity leave another paternity leave. leave. <laughs> he almost went the wrong way. You know he did he did tear down all those he did tear down all those houses and all those black neighborhoods. So <laughs> and he like he's gonna be studying while he has some time off. Like okay, why don't we raise the prices of bread more? Right. Like, he's done this professionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, many people are turning to their own means, which of course made us think of the old man. Uh. It turns out that building safe refuges yes, uh, and, and sort of stockpiling your own stuff has become more in vogue these days. I'm, I'm you know, I'm proud to be a, a leader in this area. You are a leader in this area. I, I just want to I always know, say, like, if, if shit went down, I'm going to Duncan's. I'm not telling him I'm showing up, but I'm showing up. Yeah. So if shit ever happens, dude, I'll be there. <laughs> the question is whether he's letting you in. Because I know there's going to be, there's, I guarantee there's, like, plenty of food, water, like, <laughs> like canned goods and a lot of ammo and weapons yeah. like zombies whatever you may cover you may need to declare yourself before just knocking <laughs> on the front door if things have really gone down and we're in lockdown mode i'm gonna have a hair trigger but you see smug rolling around yeah. the corner you might just start lighting them I'm up just saying well it's not it's also not out of the question that the the old man's perimeter is booby trapped well, it isn't currently, but if if this really went down some sort of global catastrophe, yeah, it probably would be. But, but like, so here's the thing: if you're going to let Smug in, okay, does he have to have a skill? Yeah, he has to bring something to the table. I yeah. mean, I bring plenty. We are liver at this point in in during a global catastrophe. This is a barter society that yeah. we are returning to. So you're looking for somebody who value can get something done. We need value. You know, maybe a doctor. Think about it like the Oregon Trail. You always want to bring a doctor. <laughs> no, someone see, comes down with cholera. No, no, no. no. Dysentery. The, the, dysentery. Yeah. The way to win Oregon Trail was always play the banker, so you could buy the most shit. You know? <laughs> like I want 42 wagon wheels. Throw them in the back. We're good. I want 20 cows up front pulling this thing. <laughs> you can see where he grew up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, we missed this one yesterday, so we had to get back into it because it's a little bit of an animal thing. This fascinated the hell out of me. It was in the New York Times. Um, Giraffes may be long-necked for fights, not just for food. Evolutionary theory said giraffes developed their height to uh, to get better eats, but ancestors have gained the advantage through butting head battles. What looks to me like what they're talking about here is that we have a generation of short-necked giraffes, gentlemen. There's a picture of it. And, and and this is in the New York Times. I, I 
highly recommend people Google short neck giraffe. I think it'll pop up there. But this is wild. It looks like a mini horse. Well, it looks like a donkey. Yeah. Is what it looks like. And they're butting heads. So it says, while the biomechanics of new fossils are interesting, they butted heads. Uh, It's not particularly surprising. So it turns out like these guys did all kinds of research into these giraffes. And it turns out there's like many kinds of giraffes. Some were for, for the eating. Others are for the butting of the heads. But that's an impressive way to try to like evolve to succeed is like, what if I'm taller? Then I can just butt like butt the head of a dude and he doesn't see it coming. Like I, I'm trying to understand the tactic. You got to have different benefit. kinds to, to, to protect the full <laughs> herd. Like some are getting food. The other ones are butting heads. I mean, the point here is that every animal needs a fighter. I want to see these like short neck giraffes. I mean, this picture is so impressive. Like this animal, I would want whatever it is. Would, would and you it's, know, it these, looks out of its mind. Are they, are they extinct? Or are we talking like these exist somewhere in New Zealand? They're talking about fossils. So yeah. it seems like they're they're extinct. Sadly, they're gone. They should bring this thing back. Because I bet, I mean, just to see what it would do. This animal just looks like it's out of its mind. Think like, about it. again, it's a nature's well, mistake. They see, hold on. They, they talk about their combat style. <laughs> hold on. We got to get into this because I, I need to know if you can fight this. Their violent combat style is much different than how other giraffes dueled. Like now, now, compared to now, though. Right. So so these giraffes hit sideways with their head and neck uh, instead of head on. <laughs> so wild. <laughs> and they just, like, plowed into each other. It says clobbering each other with their bony horn-like. It's an ossicone. So that's the thing. Is like you have to see this thing, folks, uh, this image that the New York Times had made. Because normal giraffes, you know, they have those, like, two weird things on their head. Apparently, these, like, fossil giraffes just have, like, one cone-like horn. <laughs> That's what they use. It and they just, like, beat each other with these. It looks like they're wearing little bowler hats. That's the thing. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we're going to have to keep updated on this. Because if these things exist anywhere in the world, do you think you could take one out, Smug? Oh, hell no. Look at the, how crazy they are. Like, uh, okay, for, I'd want to see a real one. Because we don't know how the bowler hat works. Like, you yeah. know, it's like odd job. You know, he might be short, but that bowler has But if a he lot. whips that, that short neck Bingo. at you, I think you have a problem. Okay. All right. So this is the last serious piece of business we've got for you. Listen to this, right? Like, some of these things fly underneath the radar. But remember what the Biden administration's priorities are here, right? The radical Green New Deal agenda. And it has very little to do with human rights. It has very little to do with sort of... You know, any of the things that they they pride themselves on talking about. The White House issued an emergency declaration that stops commerce from pushing solar from punishing, from punishing solar uh, uh, panel companies who violate the U.S. law by using Chinese government subsidies. And that's Uyghur slave labor and dirty coal production. That's Josh Rogan who pointed this out. Wow. And that tells you this 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 plan that they've enacted and are putting in place of destroying all uh, domestic energy production and making us completely reliant. Like, yeah. they're streamlining it now where they're getting rid of any restrictions that they had on importing solar panels from China because China uses slave labor. They've created concentration camps. Like, this is well-documented. There's satellite footage of concentration camps which are set up for these people to create solar panels that... Now Joe Biden will be giving our tax dollars right. to buy and support. But just these, think about that. So, so rather than supporting the jobs, the high-paying jobs of American energy producers, right. we are implementing all kinds of rules, regulations, and actual laws that 
emphasize our ability to import slave labor. Yeah, yeah. Americans, uh, you're, you get poorer um, and your energy costs are higher and the Chinese get wealthier and we buy their solar panels. And it's, and, and, and it's the Chinese Communist Party yeah. that's getting all of this money. Yeah. It's just like a straight transfer from your pockets it's incredible. to the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> they, they, but they promised us that that new solar energy would offer millions of green new jobs. I guess that's not happening. Yeah. I, I guess that's not <laughs> happening. Well, it's happening. It's just... In you know, weaker con- concentration yeah. Yeah. jobs don't they're pay gonna, very they're well. They're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> my God. It's incredible. <laughs> it's so dark. It is dark. Very dark. I need to read you a New York Post headline because we wouldn't do any show any justice without doing it. Pack and heat. Nude Hunter Biden cavorts with hooker, comma, illegal gun in latest mess for president. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, and it says here he waved the gun in the hooker's face. Is he talking about the firearm? My God! Well, I mean, I don't. It, it doesn't. It, we used to be a family. <laughs> we, we have to be. Specific. This is this is why Smug deletes segments. <laughs> he what? recorded this video. Yes. Yeah. And, so and, there's a. Video. And that's the thing. Is oh, uh, you know, I was told by very reliable media sources that this is Russian disinformation, folks. So. <laughs> Don't trust your lying eyes. Just listen to what the administration tells you. I got to read a couple of bullets. Out. The lead is fantastic. Hunter Biden shows himself to be a real son of a gun in the latest <laughs> embarrassing personal video leak for President Biden's scandal-scarred offspring. It's poetry, by the way. They just, they just outdo themselves great, every day. Great writing. A naked hunter casually waves around a handgun and even points it at the camera while cavorting with a nude hooker in a swank hotel room, according to a video provided the New York Post by nonprofit Marco Polo Research Group. Um, incredible, guys. Hunter Biden recorded the video on October 17th, 2018, according to Radar. Like, this isn't stuff that he did as a kid. No. That's the thing. It's like, this is very, very recent. When he was, uh, you know, on the board of a Ukrainian energy company, <laughs> you'd think he'd be responsible. The guy's got an energy company run. <laughs> Oh, it's like he wasn't qualified for that. <laughs> so, I mean, look, this guy, how come nobody talks about this? Well, how come nobody talks well, well, about this? Well, because for the longest time, you'd get your account shut down, like even the New York Post did, because, listen, it was Russian disinformation. Like, under the cloak of that, the media was able to silence any information that they felt would not be helpful in electing Joe Biden. You know, like you can have this and then all you'll have is journalists who are like, oh, well, is, is Hunter Biden the president? It's like, it's incredible. It's incredible how initially, like they were united in being like, this is Russian disinformation to now being like, oh, old news. What are you talking about? We like, There's a reason. Ago, there's three, a reason it's not been news. Three years ago, we were outraged by the mere prospect that Ivanka Trump could sell shoes to Germany while accompanying <laughs> a, a, a trip with her father, uh, you know, in, in Germany. Now, a guy's literally got his dong out with a handgun <laughs> to a prostitute and we're like, nothing to say oh, here. He's not the president. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. How the fuck did this happen? It is really remarkable if you think about it. And, and, and the thing is, is that so you have uh, who's writing this 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 tell all? It's I guess his brother's oh, widow. Yeah. Well, it's the one that he yeah who yeah. he ended up 
having a relationship with once his brother died. I mean, this oh, is just a, these are terrible people. He's so like he's like he's not writing a book about the Clintons. He would, I mean, he would have a he'd have a gun gun in the wrong hand <laughs> in a car, yeah. you know, or find himself being hung in a prison cell. I mean, I mean, parody, parody. We're all laughing. So you've got a book, a, a tell-all coming out every day. There's a leak like this coming out about this guy waving guns in a prostitute's face. And there was another story that I think it was the Daily Mail that had uh, Daily Mail had. The Hunter Biden daughter, who he had with a stripper, and the stripper got a paternity test done. Yes, Hunter was the parent. And Joe Biden refuses to acknowledge the existence of, where he will, like, you know, whenever there's a, a an event at the White House. Yeah, they didn't show. He'll always say, like, I have two granddaughters. Or, like, he does not acknowledge her <laughs> existence whatsoever, Jeez. right? Where apparently her worm. her mother and that child have been, like, attacked. There's, there's some guy who's attacked where they're living. And Joe Biden has refused to provide any security. Are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's family values right there. Good Lord. Jeez, that guy's so low. Totally. All right, let's get to this interview. Uh, Governor Kemp. I want to welcome back to the program. Uh, listen, first of all, great guests, but also a Republican who should have a smile on his face for a huge primary victory. Governor Brian Kemp. Welcome back. Hey, great to be back on. Thanks for having me. You got it. Um, listen, the, the eyes of the Republican world, but it seemed like much of the political world have been on you for longer than I'm sure you would prefer. <laughs> uh, and it, your primary race uh, against Purdue was thought to be, you know, this incredible fist fight of different factions in the party. Well, it looks to me like you united based basically all of them, 73%, almost 74% of the vote uh, that you get. I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good about that. Well, we are. You know, I tell people all the time there's only two ways to run, unopposed and scared. And so and I had more than one opponent, and we knew this cycle was going to be tough. But even, even before, you know, COVID started and the 2020 election stuff happened, I mean, it's just – what we went through in 18 was a dog fight and we knew what the political environment was and we certainly had known what it was going to be going in into the race. And so when I kept dry, uh, drawing primary opponents, I mean, we just, you know, we never let it rattle us too much. We kept building our ground game out again. We kept raising money the whole time. I mean, over the last three years, even during COVID, which was really hard to do. And, um, you know, I knew I was going to be in this kind of fight that would end with me running um, for governor again against Stacey Abrams. And that's, that's where we are. And also, you know, also stay focused on the official side of being governor. And I think that's what a lot of people didn't really realize. Uh, you know, I was serious when I ran in 18 about telling people what I was going to do. And I was serious that when I got in office that I was going to do that and do those things. And I did those. And it's a good record for us to run on. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the members of the General Assembly and our other constitutional officers. And I think that's one reason the longer the primary went on, the more people started realizing, you know, this guy's done what he said he'd do. He's followed the law and the constitution and he's the one that can beat Stacey Abrams. Cause that's what people are worried about, Josh. You know, they're worried about how quickly Joe Biden has eroded the country. Stacey Abrams, you know, was quick to take credit for Joe Biden getting elected <laughs> and she agrees with all these policies and ideas he had and look where it's gotten us. And that's what people scared about. And that's what we're going to remind them of. And, you know, remind them of the things we've been doing to help Georgians fight through these disastrous policies in Washington. 
Yeah. Well, listen, you and your team did a sensational job of doing exactly what you just articulated, which is taking the accomplishments that you've had as governor and actually talking to the people of Georgia rather than allowing sort of national narratives of what your race ought to be about take hold. And I think that takes a lot of discipline. No, we definitely stayed focused. Uh, We had a, a great team. You know, the other thing is we're building off of a really strong foundation. I, I give, you know, Governor Sonny Perdue and Governor Deal a lot of credit. They both, in my opinion, were great governors. I got to work with both of them uh, through my time in the legislature. And then when I was Secretary of State and the economic success that they had and the things that they did to fundamentally bring, you know, conservative governance to the state of Georgia, uh, I think especially Governor Perdue doesn't get enough credit for and so we had a good foundation to build off of. We also had a good team in the legislature that we've been working with. And even if you look at the 2020 election results, while we had a disastrous night in Georgia at the federal level, our state guys, our legislators that ran on the issues that we had all worked on, a lot of that being my agenda, they had very successful nights in 2020. And so it really kind of told me and told our team, look, we got to stay focused on the issues. We got to stay focused on the, the issues that matter to Georgia. And certainly election security was one of those issues. And we dealt with that in the legislative session, you know, year and a half ago now, because of things that we did see in the 2020 election that were caused mainly because decisions that others were making during the pandemic that <laughs> myself nor the General Assembly had never weighed in on. And it was proper that we did that. Yeah, completely. Incidentally, after the record turnout uh, that you had in the primary, (laughs) I was wondering whether or not you got any apology notes from Coca-Cola or Delta or anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just trying to get tickets to the All-Star game, wherever that might be (laughs) this weekend. It's been, uh, I I, I won't kid you, it's been a little gratifying to see people write about our turnout in Georgia after, you know, Stacey Abrams literally was pressuring the Players Association not to, you know, to boycott the All-Star game, pressuring the commissioner to move the game. They were successful in doing that. And then she flip-flopped and said she wasn't doing that. They didn't need to move the game. Magically Um, erased the USA Today uh, op-ed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. first time ever that somebody's been able to change an op-ed that they've written. It's incredible. But, I mean, look, people realize that. They realize the hypocrisy in that. And people are writing a story now. They're they were remembering that Joe Biden, you know, they even rolled Joe Biden out to say this was, you know, Jim Eagle, whatever that means, and Jim Crow 2.0 on steroids. And they realized that Abrams reserved the domain name three weeks before we even had the final version of the bill. And it was all their messaging and how they profit off this personally and politically. And we pushed back and stood up for what was right and what we knew was in the bill. They didn't even understand what was in there. And then we have been uh, justified by this incredible turnout. Listen, the Democrats in their primary had huge turnout as well. It wasn't wasn't as much as the Republicans, but still they had massive turnout. Uh, Minority participation was up in the primary and for a, you know, a sleepy Old primary election, we had record turnout here in Georgia, almost to the level of a presidential year. And so, like, there's nobody that can go out there and say, oh, well, this was, you know, for some other reason. The fact is, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. That's what everybody wants, no matter what side of the political aisle 
that you're on. And I remember I was telling my team the other day, uh, Josh, I was on this uh, Young Jocks radio uh, podcast after the election. I spent 30 minutes with them on their predominantly African-American listening audience, and they peppered me nonstop with, with questions. Some of them just made me laugh. Um, but I pushed back and I told the truth. And at the end of that, I said, listen, I can tell you all the truth. I can't make you believe me. But I said, is anybody else come on your podcast on the other side to answer questions about the bill? And they're like, that's a good point, Governor. You know, you've answered every single question and nobody else is willing to come on. And I said, you know, there's somebody lying to you here and it ain't me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you're setting the standard, not just for talking to the the home team, but but talking to everybody. And anytime you get, even if it's a primary election, anytime you get the sort of numbers that you got in that primary election, and then you begin looking for the general right away is doing something right. And uh, and you and your team are definitely doing something right. I got to ask you about Georgia in general here, because it's a, once again in the crosshairs, not only with your race, but a, a, the Senate race there. And, you know, you look back in 2020, evenly, evenly divided, uh, as you just said, what does it look like? How does it feel in terms of 2022? Does this feel like conservatives are sort of reuniting here and becoming more of a more of a team that we can look to as like the Georgia of old, the red state Georgia? Well, listen, I tell people I told them in my you know victory speech of the night. The, the, the road ahead is not going to be easy. I mean, we're going to have a, you know, battle tested candidates on the other side that are going to raise just tens of millions of dollars from all around the country, from Hollywood, New York, Boston, you know, every liberal billionaire bastion that's out there will be giving money to Stacey Abrams, which is why we need, you know, podcast listeners and ruthless podcast listeners and everybody else to, you know, send us $5 or 5,000, whatever you can afford. Cause like, this is a, this is a fight for the soul of our state, but it's also a fight for the soul of our country in a lot of ways. But I think the environment is completely different from what we saw in 18 and 20. Uh, in 18, it's, it's different because I'm an incumbent governor. Um, I've got a, a great record with a great team that we're going to talk about and we're going to remind Georgians of what we have done, putting them first and not worrying about the noise of, you know, some health expert that was getting paid to sit in their basement up in, you know, New York or out in California and was trying to tell hardworking Georgians whether they needed to go to work or not or whether, you know, they could provide for their family or not or their kids could be in school or not. And we didn't listen to them. We listened to our own people and we listened to all the facts of, what was happening on the ground in, in our state and what our people wanted. And, you know, we, we've got that record. And that's much different than the race was in 18, where I was labeled, a you know, basically a racist and a voter suppressor. And our voters here are no different than that now. I've got an incredible track record for making historic minority appointments with good people who happen to be uh, conservative as well and are doing a great job. But... In 2020, you know, we saw what happened when we're not focused on what our record is. And I think our state candidates ran on their record. A lot of the federal candidates, in my opinion, had great records to run on, but they just didn't talk about it enough. They didn't remind people enough. It's not enough for us just to say, you know, the other side, they're radicals, they're socialists, they're whatever. We've got to be for some. 
we got to give people reason to vote for us because they know that we are going to keep our economy going. We're going to help Georgians fight through this disastrous 40 year high Biden inflation that's going to go that, that's going on right now. You know, we're, we're going to be the ones fighting to make sure that their kids are in the classroom and that they're not being indoctrinated and that we have fairness in girls sports, that we're going to be the ones that are going to be up there, you know, standing and having our men and women in law enforcement, having their back and doing something about violent crime and, you know, not these defund the police, get out of jail free policies that are literally destroying major cities around the United States. Like that is not where Georgians are. So that's where we're going to be. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think those two things are, com- you know, completely different. The other thing is our folks that stayed home in 2020, especially in the runoff, they saw what that got them. It well, got- it's, it's so true. So, Governor, I'm glad you mentioned this because we we interviewed Selena Zito, a journalist from yeah. the New York Post who'd spent some time down in Georgia talking to people before your primary and she said it was actually amazing how often she ran into people expressing regret for sitting out that primary, for you know not believing that their vote would count, and that they actually now understand and see the real tangible difference that it made by not showing up. And, and they're now like totally turned around on that. No, I would agree. And I think a lot of those people, even if they were frustrated with me or someone else about the election or or whatever, I mean, we've had our battle in the primary. You know, Republicans are used to doing that. We're used to having, you know, really tough, you know, live scrimmages in our primaries that are that are hard hitting. But we also are used to coming together after that to make sure that our conservative agenda, you know, you know, fiscally conservative you know, making sure that we're you know pro-law enforcement, pro-life, a lot of other things that we stand for in this in the state. And there's different ways you can do that, whether the heartbeat or adoption reform, foster care reform, you know, going after human trafficking. We've done all of those things. So we have something for everybody there. We all know we've got to unite and beat Stacey Abrams. I yeah. mean, people know that she would take this state the way of California, New York, New Jersey, the way of Joe Biden. I mean, she took credit for you know, Joe Biden winning the presidency. She's taking credit for Senator Warnock's victory. And look what it has got us in Washington, D.C. A literal disaster at the border, 40-year high inflation, more regulations, more taxes. You know, she's she's criticized me for returning a billion dollars of taxpayer money to help them fight through this inflation. She's criticized me for suspending the gas tax so people are paying less at the pump. And she criticized the largest state income tax cut in our state's history to keep more money in Georgians' pockets so that they can fight through the disaster that we're dealing with in Washington, D.C. right now. And people know whether they like me or not or like some other candidate or not, they know that is way worse. She would be way worse. She would be supporting all of those policies uh, versus keeping our state moving in the right direction. And I think people are remotivated and they are not going to stay home. In fact, I think the turnout in the primary shows that Republicans are motivated and uh, we got to have a ground game here to get people off the fence and off the sidelines and people that are not registered. We got to get them in the game and then we got to turn them out. If we do that, we're going to have a great night, November 8th, 2022. Yeah, no, look, I totally agree. And listen, despite uh, Stacey Abrams' newfound appreciation for election uh, integrity, 
I don't think she ever really conceded in 2018. Did I miss that? Did that did that happen? Did she ever concede? Well, I would just say this: I haven't talked to her. I mean, she said a lot of lot of different things about you know a lot of elections, but that's where she's you know made a personal fortune, quite honestly. And you know, it's taken me. Me and Marty, 30, 35 years of small business people and hardworking Georgians to get to the point where we are financially. And it is, uh, you know, one of the reasons I opened up when I did is I've been there on Friday night. Marty and I both have where we barely paid the people working for us, couldn't pay all our suppliers. And we're wondering, are we going to be able to make it through this, you know, great recession that we were in when when Obama was president? And this was Friday night after Friday night, month after month after month. That is a bad feeling when you can't make your car truck payment. You can't take care of your family like you want to. You know, when you have a hard time putting food on the table or have a hard time paying the people that have helped you build your business um, where they can't take care of their families. I mean, that's a horrible feeling. And that's where a lot of the country was and a lot of where Georgians were when we reopened this con- uh, economy, small parts of it that we had asked to, to shut down to stop the spread and flatten the curve. But I know what that feeling is like. And that's something that I don't want our citizens to go through. And that's that's what we're getting from Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams and the Democrats in Washington, D.C. And I, I just think a lot of people are highly motivated here to get out and make sure that does not happen in the great state of Georgia. Well, you've certainly helped highly motivate a lot of people. You uh, you're the toughest out in politics. There's no question about it. The eye of the storm with everybody coming at you from left, right and center for a better part of a year and a half. And here you are probably in the strongest position of your political career entering what is going to be a serious general election that all of us need to pay attention to governor. Let us know where's the, do you have a website that we can go to where we can help out? Yeah, look, people can uh, check us out at BrianKemp2022.com. Obviously, you can donate there if people want to, Georgians that want to give your time or treasure, you can sign up to volunteer. It's a great way to to get us. I mean, look, we're going to need the the help from all over the country. That's what the Democrats have been doing in Georgia for a long time. And I think the rest of the country knows how important Georgia is, just like Virginia was last year. Um, Georgia is in that place this year. And I think we have a, a chance to really send a message and, and also to put something forward that, that, you know, Georgians and Americans can rally behind. And that's just good government and allowing people to have freedom and, and liberties and, and live their life and take care of their family and live to fight another day. We've been through some tough times. People ask me all the time, Josh, they're like, what's the one accomplishment that you really are most proud of? And I just tell people I'm proud to be governor of a state that has such resilient people, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, uh, man, people have really fought. Every family's been affected by the pandemic and civil unrest and a lot of other things that we've seen here, uh, whether it was the um, Ahmaud Aubrey killing or other things. And, you know, we've had to fight through those kind of things and come together. And that makes me very proud. Yeah, no, I can imagine it makes you pretty proud. You're sharing a ticket this year with a bulldog, pretty good bulldog running back. Uh, that's got to be sort of exciting at the rallies, huh? Yeah, best one I've ever seen. I know, <laughs> I know a lot of people in Alabama and Texas and other places may disagree with that, but, you know, when I was a uh, – I think it was a, probably a sophomore in high school, and I saw Herschel as a freshman run the 100-yard dash with a guy named Mel Latney that was an Olympic – 
sprinter and, and Latney just beat uh, Herschel by, you know, a tenth of a second. But he weighed like 100 pounds less. And I was like, man, I would hate to get in front of that guy. <laughs> a lot of people hated to get in front of him for a long time. And now it's now it's happened on the political scene. Uh, you have any observations about that Senate race? Well, it's going to be a very tough race. I mean, the uh, Democrats are going to that'll be probably their top target, just like it will be for the governor's race. They'll have a lot of ammunition. Um, you know, Senator Warnock's got a great story to tell. You know, I think Herschel does too, but it's, you know, it's really, I think the race is going to come down to like whose, whose policies are going to be better to help Georgia families. And to me right now, the policies in Washington, DC, you know, they're putting other people first not our citizens. And we're seeing that at the gas pump. We're seeing it at the grocery store. We saw it when the uh, uh, American Rescue Plan passed. You know, President Trump did CARES dollars per capita based on populations in the state. Every state was treated fairly. You know, Joe Biden ties it to unemployment rates. So it helps states like California, New York, and Illinois more so than our own state. And we warned them that that was a bad thing to do. And they went along with the leadership of the Democrats and, you know, Georgia's getting screwed by that. And that's something most people don't know about, but that's what campaigns are about too. It's like, who's really going to put you first up there in Washington, DC, and who's going to put you first at the Capitol. And, you know, I want to leave for my, I can only control what I can control, but you know, my, from my perspective, I want Georgians to know I'm going to put them first, no matter whether you're, Republican, Democrat, or whatever, whether you vote for me or not, you know, I'm going to be fighting for you every single day. And that's what this campaign is going to be about. Well, you've led the charge in pushing back on the left, both in Georgia and, and now nationally. And you've certainly become a national figure. Your campaign has been incredible to this point. Keep up the good work. Keep us updated. Let us know how we can help. We're obviously very much invested in success here for the great state of Georgia and, and you, Governor. Will do. Thanks for having me back. Take care. Here's what I admire most about this guy. He, he is the toughest political out in politics, right? This guy, he has every reason to come on this show and do a full victory lap. Yeah. Because everybody pronounced him dead for a year and a half, and he brung 73 up, and he doesn't take any of the bait. No. It's only focused on the next. And, I mean, look, if you want to see somebody who's successful in politics, that's how they do it. Right. That is how they do and it. And it's how you have to be because, you know, you can't look back. You got to look forward because uh, we got a big election coming up and you got to beat Stacey Abrams. You know she's going to be well-funded. Yeah. Like, every time she runs, she finds a way, like, to turn into the liberal cause. Right. Totally. Totally. Anyway, I think we did it, fellas. Yeah. Outstanding. Absolute banger of an episode, if I say so myself. And our second of three episodes yeah. this week. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith. Hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.